Welcome to this edition of Rail Group on Air, the podcast series brought to you by Railway Age, Railway Track and Structures, International Railway Journal, and Marine Log. This is Railway Age Editor-in-Chief William C. Vantuono. And this is Heather Irvin, Editor-in-Chief of Marine Log Magazine. Today we have a very special guest, and that is Hoffman Liharan, who is president of CG Railway, and that is the subsidiary of uh, Genesee in Wyoming that operates between Mobile and Coatzacoalcos, Mexico. Uh, welcome. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. William, Heather, thank you very much for the opportunity. I'm very happy to be here to talk about our business and uh, and uh, to give you and your public a, you know, some better view of what we do on a daily basis. So tell us about CG Railway, uh, how, to, how it got started, uh, what the operation is like today. It's, uh, I understand it is a, a Genesee Wyoming subsidiary, but there is another company that, uh, that is a, a par- partial owner in this operation. Sure, actually that's the best way to start. Uh, CG Railway is, uh, is the son of a perfect marriage. That's what I, I like to say. So, and why I'm saying that, because uh, both our parent companies excel in the respective uh, industries. Uh, it's a joint venture. CGRL is a joint venture between Genesis Wyoming Inc. and Secor Holdings Inc. Uh, as you know very well, Genesis Wyoming is it's uh, it has been in the railroad industry for more than 120 years, and Secor Holdings has been in the maritime industry for 50, 60 years, I believe. So uh, both companies have diversified operations diversified operations in the respective industries. And what I'm saying, the perfect marriage is because uh, uh, when, we need, uh, when we need something from the radar industry, we knock on GMW's door, and we need something from the maritime industry, we knock on Seacor's holding store, right? And we basically have subject matter experts on both parent companies, and that builds a lot of efficiencies and that creates a lot of efficiencies for us. Uh, now, talking about the CG Railway per se, uh, as you mentioned before, CG Railway is, uh, it's, uh, we basically are part of the, we operate as a railroad, but in order to move rail traffic, we use rail ferries. Uh, CG Railway has been in operation for a little more than 20 years always uh, most of those years operating from the port of uh, Mobile, Alabama to the port of Coatzacoalcos in Veracruz. We operate uh, currently, we are using the two double deck uh, 580 foot uh, uh, roll on roll off uh, rail ferries. On each one of those, we can move 115 rail cars. And uh, over the years, we have done more than 1400 sailings between the uh, Mobile and Coatzacoalcos. So we are really, really familiar with the waters of the Gulf of Mexico. We know them very well. I cannot even name how many hurricanes we have seen <laughs> during those years, <laughs> right? And by the way, none of those hurricanes has impacted our operation. We always find a way to divert the, the path of the hurricanes, which is something important for our service. And uh, our service has been consistent, has been reliable. And the good news that, uh, you know, I wanted to share with you and your public is that uh, when Genesis Wyoming and Secor decided to get into this marriage, which was in 2017, the last quarter of 2017, it was uh, after 
running our numbers, evaluating the business and all those things that you're familiar with. I mean, you know, Janice and Wyoming uh, a little more than what you know, Secret, and you know that as GMW, you know, uh, the company is very disciplined on the, how we approach opportunities. So after evaluating numbers and all those type of things, you know, it was immediately, uh, uh, we were immediately aware that we have to make a, a long-term investment in the in railway, which is why we made a decision to build two brand new rail ferries. I call them new or the newest generation of rail ferries. And, uh, and the, that decision was made into the beginning of 2018. And we entered a construction uh, contract with one of with the largest shipyard in, in China. And actually, now that I am on it, I would like to give you some uh, 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 first news to you guys. We took delivery of the first of our uh, new rail ferry uh, less than 48 hours ago. We took delivery of it on Monday night. We are very happy. We had a, a delivery ceremony, a virtual delivery ceremony with the shipyard in China. And uh, uh, very soon we're gonna announce publicly that the, the ship is on its way to North America. So uh, the new ships are very interesting. Uh, as I mentioned before, the, the existing vessels that we operate have a capacity of moving 150 rail cars. The new ones are gonna have uh, the capacity to move 135 rail cars. So we are increasing the capacity of the ships. In addition to that, we are significantly improving the speed of those ships. Right now, the vessels that we operate, we can operate in between, the, I'm gonna say seven to nine knots. Uh, the new ones, we're going to be able to operate in 14 knots. So we're basically doubling the speed. Double the speed. Which we're doubling the speed, which in real terms and in benefits for our customers, that means that we're going to be able to move more air cars and faster, which basically shortens the transit time significantly. What, what so, is the current uh, journey time? And then what, what, will it, what are you anticipating once, uh, once the new vessels are in service? Currently, it's uh, around five days. Uh, it's gonna be less than three. But uh, you know, for, for all purposes, I'm gonna say three. We could, we could, you know, if you do the math and you calculate the number of nautical miles between both ports and divided by, <laughs> by the 14 knots, it's gonna be less than three days, but I'm gonna say three days. Okay, Heather, I'm sure that uh, you probably have some, some questions about uh, the vessels uh, themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Hoffman, I guess first off, and I have to ask this question to, to everyone because our audience actually always asks us this question. How are these, how are these vessels being financed? It's a combination, right? We always have to put money for these type of projects. The good thing, the good thing about it is that uh, both our parent companies have an appetite for investment. Remember that the GMW as well as Secor, they have been building the respective companies of uh, organic with organic growth and inorganic growth, both of them. So they are very familiar with uh, acquisitions and, uh, and uh, capital deployment. We are uh, using financing from the financial entities too. Please assume you know that uh, all that part has already been consummated. That actually, we're already, the, the, and, and, that the, and that vessels are already, one of them is fully built and the other one is gonna be finished in the next, uh, in the next days. This is uh, a private investment. 
This is all private investment. And we're very happy to do that because uh, we believe in supported, supporting the territories that we serve. And when I think about the, actually the territories that we serve, you know, the Southeast of the United States, as well as the Southeast of Mexico, these are assets that are very important for those territories, particularly Southeast of Mexico, because uh, it helps the business community based in that territory to export and import goods directly from US and Canada, uh, avoiding all the, all the land route, basically. Okay, perhaps, a, perhaps an easier question. Can you tell us a little bit more about the design of these, of these vessels? Is there something um, unique about them? What kind of uh, modern technology is incorporated in them? Perhaps you can say something about the engines and is there a green factor to these vessels? Is there an environmentally friendly aspect to them? The two vessels that we currently operate, uh, they were not designed to be rail ferries. So they were retrofitted 20 years ago. The first one was, both of them were retrofitted 20 years ago. And basically what they did is they built like the first, like the, we call them the lower deck, right? And then that lower deck, they were able to move a, be, between 50 and 60 rail cars. As the businesses start picking up, they decided to build a second deck, right? So they did all the engineering and they, it's like building a second floor basically, right? And that's how they got to these 115 rail cars. The new vessels that we uh, just finished building, they had been originally designed and thought to be rail ferries. So basically the length of the vessels, they are exactly, the, of the new vessels, it's exactly the same length of the existing vessels. So as you can see, with the same length, we're basically optimizing the space within the vessel so we can move more rail cars. The length, as I was saying, is 180 meters or 590 feet, 135 rail cars. The propulsion is basically twin screw slow speed diesel engines rated at 4,800 kWs with controllable pitch propellers. And obviously these vessels have the latest technology uh, to protect the uh, to control emissions, basically. And that is a very important factor that we are offering to our customers. All of us know that the uh, rail is much more efficient than track, right? And all of us know that the maritime transportation is even more efficient than, than, than it's more efficient than rail. So we are bringing here a perfect, uh, a perfect solution for those customers who are focused on protecting or, or creating the less impact uh, or the less emissions as part of their uh, supply chain. Uh, when, when we see the numbers, or so when I'm looking at the numbers based on the, the consumption, based on the burn, burn sorry, that our, uh, that our vessels have, we believe that in comparison to uh, the track industry, in comparison to, to, to the track alternative, we are going to be reducing, the, uh, we're going to be burning approximately 343 tons of CO2, while the trucks basically burn 3,386 tons of CO2. So it's basically 10% of what the truck is burning, right? So, and, and what I'm doing, when I'm combining that is basically, I'm assuming the consumption of our vessels plus the consumption of the rail traffic on both ends. So it's really an environmentally friendly alternative for our customers. 
Now the the deck clearances, uh, and I'm thinking in terms of plate clearances uh, for rail cars. Uh, what what is the maximum height uh, rail car you you can handle? We can handle any type of rail car at this point because our upper deck is open, so you can you can put in there you know a, a, a whatever car you want on the upper okay. deck. Basically. So so you can run so you can you can load stack trains on the uh, yes. on, on the upper deck. On the upper deck, exactly. Mm -hmm. And on the upper deck, we are going to have the ability to move 77 rail cars on the new ones. Um, how is the, how is the uh, switching handled to get the cars on onto the... And I've, I've been calling them barges, but they're not barges. They're ferries because they're self-propelled. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, is, is, uh, is there any motive power on board or, or is that strictly uh, on dock? And then the um, and essentially it's like a flat switching operation where you're uh, for for loading like like a yard, like a yard basically. And that's the that's one of the nicest things about our operation because it's very it's very seamless. When you think about it, and this is something that I forgot to mention. In addition to the two vessels that we own, we have two dedicated terminals in both ports, right? And those terminals have been designed for our ships and vice versa. So that's why, you know, the new ships that we're building, they have the same uh, length of the existing ships because they have to dock at the existing terminals that we have. And the way you have to think about it is we use normal locomotives that push and pull the cars. And, uh, and uh, a, it's like a, any track operation, any sort, any yard operation. In, in the port of Mobile, we have a partnership with the, with the TASDI, which is the port-owned railroad. And in the port of Coatzacoalcos, all our rail operations or all our uh, railroad operations are performed by Ferromex or Ferrosur, right? And the, both, uh, both companies basically all, the, you know, what they do is they push and they pull the rail cars from our ships. Obviously we have dedicated uh, uh, terminal people that supervises the operation on both parts. So there's a switching and terminal operation in Mobile, but that is served by, uh, I believe it's a CSX, Norfolk Southern, and who else? So in I Mobile- I know this. <laughs> no, you're fine. In Mobile, we have connections with CSX, NS, CN, AGR, which is part of the GMW family, and via AGR, we have connections with BNSF. So Mobile gives us a, a very nice range of operators that we can interchange traffic with. So what types of commodities uh, are, are hauled uh, typically? Uh, from, we have a variety of Mexico. commodities. Yeah, a variety of commodities, actually. Uh, and it really depends on the the destination origin and destinations here. When, when you think about it, right? I mean, 100% of the traffic that we move is export or import, right? And, uh, and so US exports going to Mexico, right now the bulk of the traffic that we're moving, we're talking about pulp and paper, chemical products. Uh, we are moving uh, some grain also. Uh, so it's very, it's, it's really diversified. And when you're thinking about the Mexican imports, I'm sorry, exports going to the United States, we got plastic, we got refined sugar, we have some other chemical products that are also imported to the US. 
So, and, and the customers that we are serving, they have been with uh, a CG Railway for many years. It's a really, a, I, I like to believe, you know, that it's a really loyal customer base. And with the new ships, with the increased velocity, with increased capacity, we're going to be able to move, or we're targeting, obviously, to expand our customer base as well as the commodity base that, we, that we're currently moving. What is the balance like between uh, U.S., Mexico, Mexico, uh, U- U.S. traffic in terms uh, of percentages? Just a bold. 60-40 U.S. versus Mexico, mm-hmm. which that's, that's the right, you know, that's the right ratio, actually. 60% U.S. exports and 40% Mexican exports. Hoffman, if you could, for a minute, tell us about the benefits of using this, this rail car ferry service, and perhaps you could touch on uh, the customs issue as well. That is clearly one of the most important benefits that we offer to our customers. So if I go through the list of them, and this is going to be one of the, one of the, the benefits that, that we, on a regular basis, mention to our customers is we have interchanges with a multitude of uh, U.S. railroads in Mexico, I'm sorry, in the U.S. and obviously in Mexico with Federal Sur and Federal Max. Uh, Internally, we have an in-house logistics group that basically ensures that our customers have, I'm going to say, door-to-door service. And that includes the management of customs documentation. We basically move all our traffic using a single railway bill which makes things very simple for our customers. We offer, you know, through rates as well as rule 11, rule 11 options that are part of the real industry. And uh, we talk with custom agents on both ports and help our customers to manage that part. Uh, as part of that, you know, we offer easy and fast uh, customs clearance process, right? And the uh, and, uh, that minimizes the management of documentation that the, uh, that exporters and importers need to do, right? Uh, other important benefit, remember that our ships are not, uh, they're on the water, <laughs> they're always on the water, right? So there is minimized exposure for pilferage, pilferage while, the, while the products are in transit during the, across the Gulf of Mexico. In the, there is some, Pilferage in the north of uh, in the north of uh, Mexico that basically our customers avoid when the, when the, they are on, when the traffic is on our ships, and an important benefit also for our customers is when the rail cars are on the vessels. Basically, the rail cars are stationary, right? So there is no a there is a reduced equipment maintenance and mileage cost while the rail cars are stationary on our ships. Basically, that wear and tear, if you're thinking both ways, is reduced by approximately 900, 1,900 miles on the, on our, on our, when they are on our vessels. So that gives more longevity to the equipment of our customers, which typically, some, most of the commodities we move, actually, they move on private equipment. So that's a significant value for our for our for our customers. And the other important thing, I'm gonna come back to customs because that was your key question. Both the port of Quetzalcoatlcos and the port of Mobile are not what I call really congested ports. 
So the custom process is much more expedited on those ports. A question about USMCA, the U.S.-Mexico-Canada sure. agreement, the successor to NAFTA. Uh, what uh, benefits have been, if any, derived uh, from that agreement? It's been in place for about a year now. Yeah, certainly. I mean, we have seen some benefits because we're starting to see some new commodities out of that. We have been really bypassing the congestion. We don't have the congestion that the other rail operators and other operations have in the border between U.S. and Mexico. Right? We, our operation is much more expedited. So the benefits that I am seeing for the future is, you know, it, we're going to be able to hand, to support one of the, or to support the industries that are going to be based in the Southeast of the United States. We are seeing uh, more and more companies that are going to be based South of Mexico City because of this, because of the agreement, because you know, the North America agreement. There is a lot of investment going on and federal investment in Mexico in the red industry South of Mexico City. There are two significant projects which you may have heard about it. One of them is the Tren Maya. The other one is the federal government is improving what they call the Corredor del Istmo at Tehuantepec, which is basically, you know, the corridor that is in the narrowest part of Mexico. And we are right there. We are in the middle of it. I'm not going to talk about the benefits of those projects because it's the role of the government to promote those projects. They are, they are part of the federal government. But what I'm going to say is, we are right there. We connect with, we, you know, the, the corridor, the, the, it's the el Corredor del Istmo or Istmo Corridor. It basically, it's, it's in the port that we serve, right? So it goes from the port of Salina Cruz to the port of Quetzalcoatlcos, and we operate in the port of Quetzalcoatlcos. So it, I am expecting that some industries are actually going to be based in that corridor because of the benefits out of these projects, and we are right there to export and import the products. And the same thing is going to happen with the Tren Maya. The Tren Maya, basically, you know, it's going to add a little more com competitiveness to the Yucatan Peninsula. And um, again, we are right there. We are part of that neighborhood. And we have been part of that neighborhood for 20 years. Yeah, those improvements, uh, uh, the rail improvements have been talked about for years. It's, uh, it's good mm -hmm. to see them uh, uh, getting underway, and that's going to that's going to open up a lot of opportunity from, uh, especially for from Coatzacoalcos, as you mentioned. Exactly, exactly. And uh, uh, the important thing for us is that the, the local players they know us very well. We have a network. We have a, a network of relationships in the port, and we can obviously with people that are based in that area. So we know that territory really well. Uh, something important, which is. Uh, a, a, important for our customers and for the business community to know. We have a personal base in the U.S. and also we have personal base in Mexico. So we are really local on both, on both sides, right? So we have, a, we have an office in Mexico City. We have offices in the Port of Quetzalcoatlcos. Our headquarters is in Jacksonville, Florida, which is because we're, we like to be close to our parent companies. As you know, Genesis Wyoming has a large operation in a, a, a large group of people in Jacksonville. So that's where we are. And uh, in Seeker Holdings, they are based in Fort Lauderdale. So, so we're very close to our parent companies uh, for several reasons. So uh, we, we, as I was saying before, you know, we know that territory very well, the Mexican territory well. We're finally starting to see uh, the light at the end of the tunnel with this whole pandemic. 
Um, as I understand, these new ships are likely among the first to be built with features designed to cope with, with the pand pandemic or a future pandemic. Could you kind of go over some of those features for us? Well, yes, actually. Thank you for that question. That's a, that's a really nice question. So when the, we were in the midst of the construction, and I'm talking about 2019, to 20, I'm sorry, we started in 2019 and we were in the midst of the construction in 2020 and obviously the world was put on a halt out of the, <laughs> out of the pandemic, right? We started thinking, so how do we protect ourselves for these type of situations in the future? And it's very simple. One of our crew members gets sick, all of them are gonna get sick, the ship is gonna be put in quarantine and we're gonna have issues with the, with the operation. So uh, we talk with the, the construction team with our construction team and engineering team. And they basically uh, made some modifications to the ship in order to have isolated rooms where we can have people who may be in quarantine if uh, the pandemic continues or if we see something like, it, like that in the future. We have separate ventilation systems for those rooms. Actually the pilots or other people that can come on board they don't have to have any kind of interaction with our own crews, so we're protecting our crews. And uh, as far as I know, the ship, the, the ship that we just finished building and that we took delivery less than 48 hours ago is going to be, I think it's the first one with this type of modifications and this type of adaptations in order to cope with the existing and future pandemics. The, the, the important thing about this is, you know, that a, and I'm thankful actually for our engineering as well as our construction company, construction group, as well as the shipyard, because they made these modifications. They understood our need for this and they were able to make the modifications right in the middle of the construction. And we have to remember, right? I mean, it's to conceptualize this type of ship and to do the engineering, it's, it's not an easy process. So the fact that they accepted these ideas and the fact, you know, that they implemented these ideas is, is incredible. So, uh, I think that we are, uh, we're going to hopefully, you know, you never know, but hopefully we're going to be protected for this type of situations in the future. At least we have made from an engineering standpoint and from a design standpoint, our ships are prepared for that. Now, as we know, uh, ships, uh, Heather, you know this better than I do. Uh, ships always have names. Uh, what are the names of these vessels? We have carefully thought about the names of these vessels. And uh, when we were thinking about naming these ships, what we had in mind was to honor the territories that we serve. The first of the ships is gonna be, it's called Cherokee, to honor one of the most important Native American tribes in the Southeast of the United States. And the second one of our ships is gonna be called the Mayan, to honor one of the most important Mexican indigenous population. So the, the first two ships, the Bali Sea and the Banda Sea, mm -hmm. those were built in 1982 and you said that they've been uh, retrofitted. They were retrofitted when they were put in service for our operation, right? Okay. So I'm talking about 20 years ago. So both those ships, all of us can do the math, as you can expect, you know, the, those are old ladies, as I like to call them. So those old ladies are going to be replaced by the two new ships. So we are not gonna, we are not, we're not gonna operate those ships. Actually, one of them is already out of action and the other one is gonna be out of action when the second one of our new ships arrives. I understand that the, uh, these new ships, uh, the Cherokee and the Mayan will be the largest of their type in the world. Is that correct? We have to confirm that information, but I have no doubt that they are the largest rail ferries 
in North America. There are not too many rail ferry operations in the world. And if you go and Google the rail ferry, the capacity of the other rail ferries, none of them is none of them is able to move 135 rail cars. So uh, I believe that these are the largest ones. We're going to confirm that after we go through all the list of rail ferries that are operating out there. But I can say without any hesitation that in North America, those are the largest ones. Well, Hoffman, thanks so much uh, uh, for joining us. Uh, Heather, it's a pleasure to do uh, Railway Age Marine Log a joint podcast, our second one. More to come. Uh, as we say in the in the rail industry, and I'm sure uh, it's said in the marine industry, uh, have a safe day. <laughs>